Welcome to Around the Outside, the podcast for the Formula One fanatic with me, Chris Moss and Jake Peach. Thank you for stopping by and listening to the podcast. Don't forget, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss a new episode here of Around the Outside. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Around the Outside podcast on Facebook and we're at ATO podcast underscore on Instagram. In this episode of the podcast, we are back on track for the first race of the 2022 season in Bahrain. We will look at who is where and have a little look at the one and only rookie for the F1 uh, class of 22. We'll also make our predictions for who we think are going to win the titles for this season after Max winning the drivers and Mercedes winning the constructors last season and also our predictions for the weekend's race itself. All right, let's get down to business then and run through what we can expect for 2022. So we're absolutely pumped for another season of Formula One in 2022. Here on Around the Outside, we're going to do our best to keep up to date with it all as we go throughout the season. Um, we're playing it a little bit different this season on Around the Outside and kind of it was very hard to keep up with everything last year Chris with with all our lives and, and what's going on and uh, trying to keep across as much as possible um, but what we're going to do this season is kind of break down the races each kind of three or four races at a time and and do them in batches and have a special guest each time to join us on the episode to break down what happened in the races but also find out more about that guest and have a chat with them about their career or what's going on with them at the moment so that's how it's going to go down with around the outside this season and I really hope you can stick along with us for the rest of the year and enjoy the episodes. We've got coming your way for you over the next few months and throughout the rest of 2022. And in this first sort of major episode, the first one of the the season, we are looking at what's changed for 2022, giving an overview and running down the teams and the drivers uh, of how the grid is looking for this year's season with all the new regulations and changes. So I think we should start with the Constructors' champions Chris and we're going to go down the constructors table uh, for this episode and we'll, we'll we'll stop at Mercedes for the for the first bit of this episode the first permanent driver change since 2017 for Mercedes George Russell coming in to replace Valtteri Bottas long talked about last season uh, towards the end of last season Russell really had a point to prove in his Williams and uh, kind of did so with some amazing performances at Austria but particularly that second place in qualifying at Spa and um it seems like he's got a well-deserved seat there alongside seven-time world champion Lewis Hamilton. How do you think Mercedes are going to fare this season, Chris? Oh, it's going to be very um, di- different for them. Like After the back of testing, then they're not looking to be the number one team. Um, I know a lot of people sent the sandbag in. Personally, I genuinely think they are not the team to beat. I, I'm, I'm looking more Ferrari and Red Bull, the, two, the top two at the minute. But we know Mercedes, they can just pull something out of the bag on a Saturday anyway. Um, but for George Russell, it's a great promotion for him. Uh, we know when he stepped up to the Mercedes when Lewis Hamilton tested positive at the end of 2020 that, you know, he is a driver that deserves to be at a top team. He outperformed Valtteri Bottas, didn't get the, uh, the race win, which he would have got uh, almost guaranteed uh, in that Sakia race if... Uh, issues didn't prevent him from doing that but you know he left down uh, the gauntlet and you know now he's got a seven-time champion as a teammate I feel Lewis Hamilton could potentially have someone maybe better than him in in the car I mean in testing that's a a bold statement to make you really think George Russell is better than him uh, in certain areas do you I mean just looking at testing so far George Russell seems to have got a better grips with the car so far over Lewis but we know you can't ever rule out Lewis Hamilton you know he's a seven time champion for a reason but you know at the minute I'd say George has just got a little bit of an upper hand pace wise over Lewis from what we've seen over the two legs of testing 
Well, we must say for the purposes of people listening to this, we're recording this after the third practice of the Bahrain Grand Prix. We wanted to leave it a couple of sessions, I think, just to get a bit of a, a realistic idea of where the teams are. Well, of course, that's going to change, though, in sort of the races as we go out through the season. But it's going to be a really hotly contested development race, as it always is in Formula One in any season. But particularly with these new rules and regulations, Chris, and Mercedes um, sort of coming off uh, the back of testing and in these first practice sessions at the Bahrain International Circuit for the first Grand Prix of the season, about eight tenths, we think, somewhere, a relative off the pace of the likes of Red Bull uh, and Ferrari, who are really back up there, which we'll come on to in a moment with Ferrari. But but I say that, we have recorded this, uh, as I said, with, after the third practice, and um, the, the reason that's plaguing Mercedes so much is the incredible amount of porpoising or or bouncing down the straight um, that Ryan explained to us in our last episode with the car designs and, and the launches of them, where basically the car loses a significant amount of aerodynamic performance when it's going down the straight because the basically the the floor is either running too low to the ground and 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 the aerodynamics are really unstable and in the wind tunnels all of these simulations were run and it looked like you know the cars were going to be performing a certain way but you never know until you get out on track do you Chris and it seems like Lewis Hamilton and George Russell in their Mercedes have been suffering the most with that poor voicing and uh, as as we've explained and do you think that's going to be plaguing them do you think going in the next couple of races even though they've pulled out this lap in third practice which kind of sees them back even it's fairly level pegging with Red Bull about four tenths now rather than eight tenths off the pace it's, it's going to be a thing I think every track's going to be different every track's got a different you know mm consistency of how how bumpy it is um bahrain does have quite a few bumps anyway um down the straight so in, in regards to that i i think going from here to then jeddah next week it'll be two very different grand prix i don't think you'll see as much potentially next week just because it'll be a lot more of a smoother surface um, but then because we got the, mm. the the very high speeds of Jeddah, it could be even worse. So it's it's going to be very track dependent. But like you say, the Mercedes seems to be the team, along with I think it was Alpha Tauri, uh, they were saying that they, they were struggling with it um, as well. Pierre Gasly was getting a, a rather bumpy ride uh, in the first practice sessions and really not a... A nice time when you're when you're going you know 200 miles an hour and that's when the porpoising is is at its most severe effect because the aerodynamics are of having more of an effect on the car the faster it goes of course and it's just it must be the most uncomfortable ride possible um and going all that force through your back and and through the car it can't be a pleasant experience and certainly for lewis hamilton who's been used to having a really well very stable and high performing car for the last seven seasons mm. Yeah, it's it's going to be say, I think a lot of the Mercedes uh, time and attention will be trying to reduce that. Red Bull seem to have got that nailed and seem to be the best at not bouncing the car up and down. And Ferrari again, we we saw them and they they look like they've they've reduced that as well. So it'll be, it'll be an interesting season. But say early looks, I I feel Mercedes potentially going to be third or fourth. Wow, really? That's uh, that's a bold, bold statement to make after uh, after, of course, their amazing success over the last few years. And I feel like I feel like our constructors and drivers episodes, pre- the preview that we do, uh, we did one last season. I think it's fast and become our favourite episodes because we do make some not say sweeping predictions oh. but we do make some predictions that are possibly a little bit out there and get proved wrong very quickly like yeah. my, my prediction last season of Aston Martin coming second I mean that didn't really live up to, I to mean, it did it technically Seb came second once he did he came second at Baku last season so you know I was kind of there maybe just on the just, wrong just, kind just of prediction not, just not throughout the season <laughs> no not throughout at all sadly sadly that wasn't the case but a lot of investment going in as we'll talk about uh, in a little while with Aston Martin um, but yeah okay third or fourth then for Mercedes that's a, what, what, what are you um, thinking Mercedes I'm thinking I'm thinking it depends how Ferrari are going to jostle with Red Bull and see how that battle will go. If Red Bull and Ferrari keep themselves occupied, you could have Mercedes in the background, you know, 
pulling out wonders like they have done in the last few years and figuring out uh, that kind of golden solution and, and sort of clawing back a deficit they they always have to do. I mean, you remember last season in testing, they didn't look anywhere near the pace either. And then you turn up to the first race and Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, right from the off in the first race, have the greatest argy-bargy we've seen probably in years prior to that. And it was a fantastic battle that uh, Max Verstappen sadly lost out in the end by a small matter of track limits but it's I think it's going to be Red Bull and Ferrari keeping close and then Mercedes could be uh, it, it sounds a bit weird to say this after the last few years but a dark horse that could come back to bite them maybe later on in the season as Mercedes figure out some of their gremlins okay Red, Red Bull let's come on to Red Bull Chris and what are you thinking for 2022 for them of course reigning drivers world champion Max Verstappen in controversial circumstances it must be said at Abu Dhabi uh, there's a report that's coming out on the day we're recording this literally I think uh, an hours after we're going to be recording this so we'll, we'll keep up to date with that when we can and on our next episode, there's going to be interesting things coming out of that. But um, Red Bull, as they say, they did nothing wrong in Abu Dhabi. Max Verstappen did what he needed to do and they've got a world champion on their hands for the first time in in, in a lot of years since the Sebastian Vettel days and uh, Sergio Perez back in the second season uh, with Red Bull. What do you think they're going to be looking like this season? Oh, this season, they, for me, they look like the team to beat. Um, mm. They're very consistent and the update that they brought on the final day of testing seems to have given them tremendous amount of pace they they were looking with the field for for a good part of it but then this whole new update they brought on the final day yeah it just seems to have found them so much time um and so with with the fact they've got max in the car i mean last year we saw max and lewis they were you know light years ahead of everybody else Mm. on on the track and um yeah, I think if Max still has that over Sergio, I feel like Max is just going to romp away with it this season. And I think a lot of people are already sensing that. Um, but, you know, it's it's going to be interesting for the first couple of races to see mm. reliability-wise how, how it happens. Obviously, Red Bull have got their own drive uh, drivetrain now, uh, even though it's still Honda technology. It's, yeah. It is Red Bull owned. So whether they can, you know keep reliability of it as high as what it has been I don't think they had that much reliability at all last season uh, to, to retirement wise it was normally crashing out uh, yeah. or, or something human error yeah um, so yeah it's going to I think reliability as a whole is going to be what drives the championship uh, mainly for the drivers I think because I think constructors is going to be yeah, we'll, we'll notice a pattern after the first few races. But um, yeah, I feel, I feel Red Bull is going to be the, potentially getting a double championship at the end of the season from mm. first looks. Which I'm sure they would they would lap up, and a lot of people have been saying. Of course, we very much well know that Adrian Newey in the sport of Formula One is uh, a mastermind when it comes to designing new cars and new regulations. Is always frustrated by how restricting those regulations are, but always seems to find a way and a formula to bring out the best car out of that. And we've gone back to this ground effect, which Ryan was uh, from Ferrari, our guest in the last episode, was explaining the kind of principles around that. But it's now less reliant on the wing and more about this ground effect that we saw in the 80s in Formula 1 sucking the car to the floor with intricate tricks underneath the car rather than letting the wings do more of the work and it's all to promote this cleaner racing so there isn't such dirty and turbulent air with the cars um, going going past each other and trying to follow each other and Adrian Newey was kind of seen as someone who can really understand these rules the best and and kind of really understands and and, and admires this kind of concept of car. Do you feel like that is going to play to their strengths going forward in this season particularly? Massively. It's the fact that he was working in Formula One the last time we had cars of this nature. You know, he will have, you know, numerous amounts of like experience of building the cars, knowing what's right, what's wrong, like... Yeah, he, he's got a significant advantage over any other mm-hmm. engineer that's in in the field. I think that's it's limited amount of people that, have, that are still working in Formula One that were around building cars back, you know, in the 80s. So Red Bull have got a real, you know, advantage over everybody else. Um, so, yeah, that again... 
plays into their strengths over the likes of Mercedes, who, you know, mm. the, the, before the hybrid era and before they joined back in 2010, the last time they were racing in Formula One was back in 1950. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like we, you know, obviously we had the BAR Honda times uh, mm. before that, but a, a lot of personnel have changed since all, all them times. So, yeah, it's very, very different experience for them uh, over, say, Adrian Newey, who has been there, you know, with mm. the likes of McLaren and all the other teams that he has worked with um, over the years. And you were you were touching there on on the Red Bull powertrain. It's new technology. They've, they're building this brand new dedicated factory that will be Red Bull owned. And there's and there's been a crossover, of course, with Honda being part of Red Bull in the last couple of years and that technology. But it will be phased out and it will fully become Red Bull in the end eventually. Which I don't think a lot of people, it's fair to say, saw uh, as an option for them to do. Maybe their aspirations in the past to do that, but they're finally doing this now and taking the engine in in house. And that's going to be probably a big step this season. But we've been talking about the new regulations have been really focused on the aerodynamics mainly because the engines are going to be frozen uh, when we get to 2025 2026 regions and and up until then then we're going to be looking at a new philosophy but how much could powertrains play a part in this season because ferrari and red bull are already saying that 25 brake horsepower deficit that they felt that they had to the mercedes powertrain over the years in the hybrid era was kind of where they were losing out now looking to be more equal do you think that's going to play a significant part this season um, say so you you mentioned it. It's very equal. I think power wise, it's not as big of an advantage as it used to be. I think now it's more down to chassis and aero where mm. teams are going to find the most. I mean, we've always known Red Bull have been by far one of the best aerodynamic teams. You know, in the past, you know, 10, 11 years since you know two thousand and nine, really. So yeah, thirteen years. Um. That they, they've had that sort of thing whereas you know back in the day McLaren used to have a great chassis Ferrari used to have great power mm-hmm. and like in that we all had different races where one of them would win races one of them you know would come second but track specific tracks. yeah mm. I feel like it could potentially be more like that again um, you know we'll probably see somewhere like Monaco you know Red Bull probably maybe miles ahead of say Mercedes yeah. as mm. we have seen in the past because it's more of a close-natured circuit where you need more aero than power. Mm. So, yeah, I don't think power, powertrain-wise, it's gonna. It's just down to whether it, it's reliable. I mean, we saw in testing, we, we had a couple of engine blow-ups. I think we had one with Alpine. Mm. Mm-hmm. Then we had one with uh, Williams as well. Um, I think Williams was a was a brake a brake duct, but it, it looked like engine. Uh, they might have had an engine failure at Bar- Barcelona, perhaps. But yeah, there was there was not there wasn't there was wasn't as many as you'd expect though, was there? As in no, previous seasons. But you know, we we've got three engines. I think again uh, for the twenty two races we have, which is not a lot. It's not, and we saw last year a lot of teams, you know, Mercedes, Red Bull, all taking penalties just to make sure they get to the end. Mm, so mm. again reliability is is a main factor and if it's as anything as close as what last season's title is going to be (laughs) you know we're going to see penalties towards the end of the season well we're thinking this isn't just a two horse race this season as we kind of going towards Chris what we're kind of thinking how crucial is it going to be for second drivers or in equal teams second driver teammates going to be supporting their lead drivers in the races whether that is Verstappen or or Perez or Leclerc and Sainz and Russell and Hamilton. It could have been more a more integral part last season, couldn't it? But um, the teammates of uh, Red Bull, Perez and Bottas just couldn't keep up with Hamilton and Verstappen. How much of a key part do you think that is going to play this season? Perez seems to as well be quite on top of this Red Bull, this new Red Bull this season, having spent a year with the team now. Um, I don't think it's... I mean, we, we saw... They, they weren't pace-wise there. But we saw in like Abu Dhabi, Checo did what he needed to do for Max. You know, mm, He slowed mm. Lewis down. I think one lap was about five or six seconds. He yeah, slowed him down considerable. by considerable. So, you know, if teams, you know, are needing to find time and they've got a way to do it like that, you know, Perez is probably one of the best, if not the best, driver on tyres on the grid. So they can just leave him out long. And then when the next car comes up, slow him down mm, and, mm. you know, bring bring the other drivers back into the race. It, that, that that could be a tactic to have, you know, for the future. I mean, we saw it back 
2007. Felipe Massa was number two driver to Kimi Raikkonen. Yep. And, you know, in the last race of the season at Brazil, Felipe was by far the fastest, as he normally was in mm-hmm. Brazil. Mm-hmm. Let's Kimi through. Kimi wins the championship. Following yeah. season, Kimi was leading in Brazil. Let's mm-hmm. Felipe through. Felipe nearly won the championship until Lewis passed Timo Glock. Is that Glock around uh, Junker? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, obviously Lewis then wins the championship. So teammates always have a, you know, a role to play. Mm. Um, and we've seen it before, you know, Red Bull, when you've got two equal drivers as they tried to have with Mark Webber and Sebastian Vettel, it just didn't mm-hmm. work out. No. <laughs> Mercedes have tried to have it where it's been equal. Yeah. At some point in the season, I mean, we saw it in 2019 in Russia, like you, you've got to, you've got to give one priority. And they did mm. that with Lewis Hamilton, which he won the Grand Prix. But yeah, it's it's going to be difficult because you know Max. I think everybody knows Max is always going to be a number one driver at Red Bull. I mean, he's yeah. just signed a new contract Accepted. in twenty twenty eight. It's a long time, isn't it? So you know, it's whoever gets that second seat as it will, it will always be second fiddle. Um, mm, mm, mm. You know, and that's why we've always you know had like the curse of the second Red Bull seat because it always seems to be the second driver that seems to get mugged off really. Um, <laughs> but yeah I've, I think teammates in particular are, are, they're going to play a role and they're going to play yeah. a big role I mean Perez last year was he, he was better than you know Albon Gasly mm. you know the, the last time Max had a team that challenged him was Ricardo. yeah you know and that was back in 2016 and so, that was still in Max's infancy in the team though yeah. and, and now he seems well having won a world championship of course seems a lot more cemented and it's important to say Perez a, a race winner in Bahrain a couple of years ago in the in the racing point let's not forget that and well, it was Sakia that, different track Jake Sakia you know a different layout all, you know potato potato um, George Russell though on course to win that race, let's let's be honest, when he came into the Mercedes. So Russell, not a, not a race winner yet, but both got pedigree to possibly come and pick up the wins if Max and Lewis can't and, be there and for whatever reason. And don't forget as well, Charles Leclerc, and I believe that was 2019, his first you know, yeah. pole position, mm-hmm. should have won that race until his engine died on him. Yeah. So again, Ferrari, you know, they're, they're going to be there as well. They've got experience. And Charles, you know, he, he has experience at this track of leading the race. Yeah. Before well, before we before we come on to Ferrari, let's just... So our prediction for Red Bull is... They're going to win. They're going to win. They're going to win both championships, yeah? With gritted teeth, yeah. <laughs> gritted teeth. Do you mean that from a personal point of view or the, the fact that there's going to be another era of domination from another team? Uh, <sighs> I mean, I hope there's not dominance, but you know, we, we said this about t- in 2014, but there was. And we said this, you know, 2009, and there was. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I, I think, I think there's going to be a couple of drivers that can challenge Max, um, and until Mercedes show if they've got pace to do that, I don't. Mm, true I'm, pace. Yeah, I'm, I'm, mm. I'm not looking at either Lewis or George doing it. Maybe mm. next year, um, it'd be nice. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm not counting them in it for this this year at the minute. Um, so yeah, I, I'm 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 thinking Max at the minute is gonna, you know, he's on a massive high, mm, yeah. winning the championship. Like yeah, he's he's for me the driver to to beat this season, and Red Bull are the team to beat for me. Bet Lewis didn't think he might have to be waiting, effectively two years if we're giving this kind of outlook for his eighth world title. Who knows? Um, let's what go about, on to Ferrari what, what, then. Hang on, hang on. What, oh, what are you saying? On. What are you saying for Red Bull? Right, for Red Bull, I'm going to say, I think I'm going to have to agree with you. Just by looking at what we're seeing at the moment with their design and just how sort of they, they seem very across everything. They're not seeing too many porpoising problems with the team. And I think that's going to be the biggest grievance for teams to get on top of at, at most tracks. And Red Bull seem to be across that. And, and with all the investment going to their new powertrain, um, and you say the momentum they're carrying, I very much agree with you. So, P1 for both um, on on that front. Okay, you were starting to mention Ferrari, Chris. Uh, Let's come on to uh, Charles and Carlos Sainz, who are looking to keep up momentum for 2021 if they can get the team's first win since 2019 at Singapore. Can you believe it was that long ago? And Leclerc kind of sadly denied a possible victory at Monaco last season where he took pole and... uh, 
crashed at uh, at the at swimming pool near the swimming pool section. The gearbox didn't hold out for the Grand Prix, so he had to sit that one out. And this is probably the best chance of victory last season. But as we were talking to Ryan in the last episode, a senior designer at Marinello for Ferrari, been working on this car for a long time. You know, the, the restrictions and regulations were delayed a year because of COVID. So they've had even more time to effectively work and design on this car. And it seems like Ferrari after a torrid through, you know, number of years before that with their their power unit and the engine ruling and clarifications, they seem to have finally got back up to, let's be honest, Chris, where they belong. You know, the longest standing team in Formula One with probably the team with most the pre- most prestige. When you think of Formula One, you think of Ferrari, don't you? You do. And, you know, we've been saying it for a while, like we all want to see Ferrari back at the top. Um, it don't feel right a season where Ferrari you know, don't have podiums or race victories. And we, we haven't had a race victory as say for over two seasons now. Um, so they are well and truly due one, especially when the likes of Alpine have won a race. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Racing Point have won a race. Alpha Tauri have won a race, you know. Um, and obviously Williams have had a second place. So <laughs> in qualifying, yeah. albeit. Well, technically second and place a, in the and race a, as well. And a two-lap, not race, but race. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as a whole, you know, to see them as quick as what they have shown so far mm. is good to see, you know. And I was saying, like, I think there's a couple of drivers that can challenge Max. Charles Leclerc, I think, is going to be his toughest opponent this season. Mm. A dark horse, though, isn't he, uh, Charles Leclerc? And the fact that he has always got that raw speed and pedigree, and as as you say, maybe hasn't had the chance to to show it. Nearly held off Lewis Hamilton with the the big collision that Lewis and Max had at Silverstone uh, last season. But Lewis, as he always does, seems to find a way to claw back and and come and take the win as he did on that day. But Charles Leclerc, um, you you know, you cannot forget the. The amazing success he has had in the feeder series in in Formula 2 coming up very quickly um, and has really cemented into Ferrari. Did really well before we went to Ferrari at Alfa Romeo uh, at Sauber then. And now, you know, both two young drivers, both Carlos Sainz, we can't forget him as well, really consistent and uh, on his day is is absolutely electric and and can really set the timing sheets alight. Um, And particularly in the race as well, very, very consistent, good at looking after his tyres and so forth. Who do you think out of Charles and Carlos is ahead in the Ferrari team at the moment to take that possible fight to Red Bull? I think... At the minute, I think they're equal footing. I don't think you can particularly give it to one or the other. They were so close last season, mm. uh, you, know, you know, qualifying and and the race, separated by minimal amount of points. Um, I think Carlos had more podiums than Charles, but mm-hmm. as a whole, it was very very close between them. Um, and I think it will stay close between them for the first few races, and we might see a gap starting to form. I think. Charles at the minute does have a little bit of more of an advantage just by seeing the times and uh, seeing like obviously practice three what we just had a couple of hours ago. Um, he he just has that little bit extra pace at the minute over Carlos in Bahrain. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've I, I sort of said for the moment testing's been going on. I feel Charles is going to be up there this year, and I'm I'm happy to see that. I think Charlotte as well, you know, I think he's a pretty big fan favourite as well. Yeah, only, and again, we're saying how close this was. If you look at last season, season standings, um, annoyingly for Ferrari, um, Norris in the McLaren had a great season last season, which we'll come on to, um, split the two Ferrari drivers in the Drivers' Championship. But between Sainz in fifth and Leclerc, who finished in seventh last season, only four and a half points between them. So... It, it pretty much odd as even, right? You know, you could put a, um, a paper strip between the two. It could be that close. Um, it's okay, so where do you think Ferrari are going to finish this season? Considering that, as we chatted with Ryan once again, that they've got the most radical looking car, the most beautiful, I, I think, on the grid. Oh, yeah, one that looks, I, I, I one that looks the looks fiercest. Wise, it's, it's one of the best looking ones, for sure. Mm. Um, but sadly, looks don't also guarantee you winning races, do they? <laughs> 
No, but looks will make the fans want you to win races. <laughs> um, yeah, they're on they're on the right side. So yeah, where do you think Ferrari going to do this season? I th- I feel like Ferrari at the minute are the are Red Bull's challengers. I don't feel at the minute they're they're I feel like they're just a little bit behind Red Bull. Um, mm. But I feel like they are at the minute quite a fair bit ahead of Mercedes. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it, we. we Race pace might be where Mercedes suddenly just find, you know, a lot of pace. Um, but yeah, I, I, at the minute I'm feeling constructors wise at the end of the season, I feel Ferrari are going to be potentially top two. Hmm. Interesting. And for Charles and Carlos, where do you think they uh, could end up? I think both of them will be top five in the championship. Um, mm-hmm. I think Charles shall potentially be fighting with Max most of the season mm. um, I feel like Shell potentially will end up second over Max um, but again anything can happen um, we've, we've seen Charles and Max get feisty before on track we've seen it at, uh, at Austria so yeah you know, all to could, play for could, could be a feisty season ahead yet again an important thing to mention which we sort of touched upon uh, in, in previous episodes is that we're going to have this, these new regulations, sort of uh, uh, technical regulations, uh, like you could say, off the grid, where the teams last season, no matter on where they finished, get a sliding scale of how much development time they get in the wind tunnel for, for CFD um, and for, for aerodynamic design, etc., etc. Ferrari finishing where they did last season, below Red Bull and Mercedes, have incrementally more time than both of those teams to develop the car in the wind tunnel. Could that be a possible thing on Ferrari's side as they go throughout 2022 where they could develop a little bit more than Red Bull and Mercedes? Or do you think the might of Mercedes and Red Bull will kind of equal that, equal that all out? I th- well, Ferrari going to be would have been developing this car for well over two years. Mm. Uh, they would have started probably 2019, maybe 2020. But 2020, like they had, you know, a terrible season. Yeah, they would have focused all of that time preparing for this car, and obviously back then they finished seventh in the championship. Yeah, Probably so worst, have done worst result for since 19 the 1980, wasn't it? Yeah. Hmm. So the time that then then would have had for the wind tunnel, they probably again would have invested, you know, eighty percent of that time on this car. Whereas mm. Red Bull, they finished second. They would have only had a certain amount of time and they were fighting for the championship last year, getting a few updates, not a lot. Like the same with Mercedes, not a lot. But again, Ferrari had so much more time to then put into the uh, the car for this year. So that, again, another reason why they've probably stepped up so much Yeah, um, is they, they've had the time to, to, to do it- that. In the shadows, really, isn't it? Whilst everyone's, as always in Formula One, whilst everyone's paying attention to what they're seeing in front of them at that weekend, and everyone's very focused well, on that, Ferrari people finally, don't think about in the background. Ferrari have finally got that horse prancing again. <laughs> Let's hope so for their sake, and for to be honest, for Formula One's sake, because for Ferrari not to be up there for Formula One, in in you know in you could say in recent decades gone by, people associate that kind of success and title winning success with Ferrari at the front of it. So it'd be good, I think, for the sport in general uh, for that to be happening again. Uh, I think that's a, I think that's a good impartial way of, of, of putting that across anyway. Um, McLaren, though, back with uh, Lando and Daniel, finishing fourth in the constructors last season. And you felt like, Chris, from the, you know, the success that they had, um, Lando getting um, a few podiums, uh, Daniel winning in, in Monza, you didn't feel like they finished higher than fourth. They, they, you feel like they deserved to finish more uh, more than they did. Do you feel like that that will be the feeling amongst the team, that they'll want to try and achieve uh, more than they did last season and ride this really positive momentum that they've built with Zach Brown as the, as a new CEO in charge since all of the, you know, the very obvious Honda saga with Alonso at the team. Yeah, like, I think they would have been gutted to finish fourth. They had such a strong season. Should have won two Grand Prix uh, mm. if if only they had pitted in, in Russia. In Sochi. Mm. Um, so... It was a very strong, 
year for McLaren. I think you know a lot of support for McLaren. Seeing you know, and a bit like Ferrari had, were last year from twenty twenty, McLaren are still on a big resurgence from you know the despair of twenty fourteen. Uh, not 2014, 20, 2015, mm. um, when they went to Honda. So it's, yeah, it's it's good to see them still up there. And again, they're, they're going to be disappointed with fourth, but they're going to hope this season they're going to be up there challenging, fighting for wins because it's going to be more open than what it has been. So again, it's a better chance for them to be to be there and challenge. And Daniel Carlo, as we know, in, in, in previous seasons gone by, has moved around a little, it's fair to say, and possibly made some career decisions that haven't been the best for him. We had him, at, uh, of course, at Red Bull. He, he did fairly well there, but then Max came along and kind of, you know, put a stop to, to that. And it seems like his role in the team was going to be the lesser one, which it did become that. He then went over to Renault and... and Cyril Beatable at the time, the the team principal was thinking that was going to be a long term project with Daniel, and was going to bring Renault uh, up the grid at that time. Didn't quite work out like that, and Daniel didn't wasn't really feeling it, and has now found himself at McLaren. Struggled to get on top of the car last season uh, for the first few races, understandably in a new car, but had you know had some strong results as we said. Picked up that victory in Monza and always looking to come out on top. But I feel like with Lando, his teammate. You know, he's been at the the team, um, you know, for a, for a number of years now at, at McLaren and trying to cement the morale and, and the momentum he has in that team. He seems to have a bit more consistency, Lando. And I feel like Fernando Norris doesn't get the praise that he deserves sometimes. He, you know, he's quite a consistent driver, has good raw pace. And a lot of people don't really point that out too much, you know, in your compared to your likes of of Hamilton and and Russell and uh, is it a little bit sens- less sensationalist than it, than it could be I think with Lando do you agree on that I mean I think Lando last year got a lot of plaudits and I think he won a lot of fans over with his performance over Daniel Ricciardo I don't think many people expected him to have the season he had I don't think many people expected McLaren to have the season they had um, but Lando was very consistent over Daniel I think Monza probably broke him a little the fact that he wasn't the one to get the win and Daniel was um, because Lando say he, he's been there for two three seasons mm-hmm. he, he's he been building that car to where it now is um, but he's still yet to get across that line first you know he came so close a couple of weeks after Monza but yeah it's it's still a learning curve. I mean, Lando's still so young as well. Like he's mm. got many years in Formula One to come. You know, just signed a new deal with McLaren, I'm sure as well, um, for another three years, I believe it was. So 2025. Yeah, it's going to keep him there to 2025. Yeah, and because a lot of other teams were nipping at the heels for him, weren't they? Because they could see that this potential that he's got to become a well, a lot of people coining him as a future world champion. Yeah, for sure. He's got the pace to do that, and you know, McLaren isn't like the front-running car that it once was. But Lando's, you know, still fighting with, you know, Perez. He, he was battling with Perez for fourth in the championship for such a long time, you know, and he he was getting podiums where, you know, McLaren weren't thinking they were going to get podiums, you know. So he's he, he brought that car out of a shell that hasn't been out of for a long time. And, you know, Daniel Ricciardo, he's not a slouch, no, he showed Daniel Race a thing or two, yeah, and um, so yeah, I think Lando definitely deserves more praise than what he potentially has had, should have had uh, in the past. But I think Lando's got such a big fan base as well mm. that you know people praise him no matter what, anyway. Yeah, but no, without doubt, a certain um, a prospect for for the UK anyway in the next few years. I'm really excited to really see how his career goes and if McLaren can continue this momentum and success that they really enjoyed, let's say, last season, their best season for quite a while, then it's going to be an exciting one. Although um, P11 for Norris and 15 for Ricardo, respectively, in the third practice at Bahrain, there's still some work to do with the other competitors around. Do you feel like that they might have slipped back a bit at the moment just as they get on top of the new car? Um, potentially, I think that they've had probably the most reliability issues so far 
pre like in, in the testing and this weekend as well. I think they they had um, some brake issues uh, in practice. Mm, um, mm. But obviously they they one of their drivers, Daniel Ricciardo, uh, he, he missed the entire second test. He he tested yeah. So mm, with COVID, he he's already on the back foot, and you know it's not exactly the start to the season McLaren would have wanted that's for sure no absolutely um, where can we see McLaren then realistically finishing this season when you consider their success and momentum of last season um, compared to the, the previous few before that and I guess mixing in with that where do you hope they're going to finish I mean I, I hope to see McLaren on the top step of the podium this season mm, mm. Um, I hope they can get into a fight with you know Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, and, and B, you know, I hope that top four is closer than what I am sort of probably saying it's going to be. Um, but I, I do think they're going to be battling with the Mercedes this year. Well, I hope they are anyway. Mm, interesting. Um, uh, but, you know, it depends how things go. Um, it potentially could be that it'll be anywhere between third and fifth, I, I reckon. Hmm. I'm going to say that McLaren... I feel like Ferrari have, have leapfrogged them, leapfrog them a little bit this season with the development we've seen and, and that car. So, at the moment, I'm going to be saying it's going to be Rebel Ferrari, maybe Mercedes, and then McLaren, which would be, of course, fairly similar to last season. But I think that's going to be the way it's going to go. So... I'm thinking they're going to be, yeah, looking at looking at fourth at the moment. So that'll be interesting to interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and and in, then in terms of the drivers for McLaren, Chris, where 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 can you see Lando and, and Daniel finishing up this season? Do you think they can either pick up a race win this season? I, I hope they can pick up a race win. Um, I think if Lando gets a race win, I think it will give him confidence to be there more I think until he gets that win it's it's always getting that first one sort of opens it up you know I mean we saw with Max Verstappen first race in Red Bull picked up a win and hasn't really looked back um, and it normally like gets you a chance to then get more I mean we, we've seen it before where like the likes of Yano truly picked up one win never went on to get another um, but then, you know, Jensen Button took him six seasons to get a win, took him another three before, you know, he had the car to do it and then won a championship. So it's it's a waiting game. But I think as soon as Lando gets that win, he, he'll be in, in a much better stead. But I think I'm, f- I'm feeling just for the fact Daniel's on a back foot still, for the fact he's missed out on so much testing compared to Lando. He seems to be having more of the issues with the car uh, in terms of reliability. I think Lando's going to probably be seventh. I'm going to say Daniel's probably going to be about ninth or tenth in the standings. Interesting, yeah. I, I think I'll go along with you that. I think Lando's victory, his first victory in F1, is only a matter of time, considering what we saw last season. How he's just such a cool customer when he's in control uh, of a race. And let's be honest, if he had tried to fight Daniel at Monza last season... Who knows what would have happened? He could have had his victory there, but of course they wanted to play it safe, keep the one-two, which is kind of understandable. You, you could agree. Um, let's move on to Alpine then. Uh, their first season last year, rebranded from Renault, um, and also they, of course, got the two-time champion Fernando Alonso and race winner Esteban Ocon in the Hungary race last season with that bizarre start and kind of changed the course of that with Vettel on the track finishing second and then all changed about afterwards because of uh, some fuel issues the main change on the Alpine for this season you would have to say is the car livery for Bahrain and Jeddah in all pink livery before a more traditional uh, blue livery uh, after that Um, but also this new split turbo uh, engine that we kind of seen more on the Mercedes uh, teams in in sort of the start since the start of the hybrid era, so they're kind of a bit late to the party with that. But that's the sort of the biggest main change for Alpine this season. How do you think they're going to fare um, with obviously new team principal uh, Otmar Schnaffauer uh, on on board this season, coming across from uh, Aston Martin, possibly the the worst kept secret over over the uh, over the winter break. Yeah, I, I think Alpine they're. <laughs> 
they they need to have some better performances. I think their ambitions, especially bringing Fernando in, they they, they want to win the title. Mm-hmm. I think they were aiming to do that for this season, and at the minute they are just not on the pace. No, not not on the pace of the Red Bulls or the Ferraris, Mercedes. I mean, <laughs> depending on the session, like they they're just about fighting with McLaren. Yeah. Um, it's it's going to be a, a turbulent season. We might hear some fantastic team radios from Fernando. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully no more GP2 engines, though. Might be F2 engines this time. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I think they're going to try and sort of have another couple of years before they can hopefully challenge I, I, I don't know whether Fernando will be hanging around all that I was going to say do you think it's something that Alonso will want to stick around for no, And um, I, I don't think he will I think if, if the team ain't there this season I feel like this this potentially might be his his final final F1 season we've got Oscar Piastri who won the F2 title last season having to wait on the sidelines for a seat um, and you would think that he would be the, the successor to Alonso considering how maybe Ocon does this season uh, as well but let's not forget Alonso picked up a podium in Qatar in La Salle at the near the end of last season so you know he's still got that pedigree Martin Brundle as well saying that he still reckons he is a very capable uh, person of winning the world title considering that you know that he's in his older years let's say of, of his career uh, do you kind of go along with that um, and if Alpine somehow get this stroke of genius out of nowhere this season that that could be on the cards I mean Fernando is a proven race winner he's done it in multiple different races I mean the one the big one he has yet to win is IndyCar mm. um, but he's won in world endurance before he's won in Formula 1 many times you know and I'm sure in many other races that he's participated in he, he's won as well um, so you can never count Fernando Alonso out at all I think you saw with Kimi towards the end of Kimi's career, you could see that he 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 was fading. Mm, mm. Fernando's always fired, and we saw that in Hungary. Mm. Like he was fending off, you know, Hamilton for the many storming laps. off mm. in in the field, you know. So he he still got that racer in him, and you know he wanted to come back. That that that's the big point. He wanted to come back. He still had that burning passion. Um, so I think if Fernando gets a chance to have the the fastest car of the weekend. I feel like he'll use it and he will He will get that win. You know, it's been mm. nine seasons Long time since he, coming. he picked up mm. a win back in 2013 for Ferrari. So, you know, he, he'll be looking to enjoy the the, the, the bubbly. <laughs> All the rose water, cut, cut. as it is in Bahrain this weekend. Um, B- bubble water. <laughs> <laughs> and they now have got a race winner in Esteban Ocon in the team. So that again, that's that's valuable experience from the Hungarian Grand Prix last season. Although, you know, looking at things at the moment, 16th and 18th respectively in the third practice of the Bahrain Grand Prix this weekend at the time that we're recording this before qualifying, it is uh, looking like a bit of a, a mountain to climb. So where can we see Alpine, considering we're going to come on to talk about Alpha Tauri, uh, um, Aston Martin, Williams, uh, Alfa Romeo, and even Haas, which is causing some real eyebrows to raise in, in a good way, actually, uh, in the first few uh, sessions this season. Where can you see Alpine ending up at this stage? Mm, eighth. Eighth, really? You don't think it's going to be a good season? No. Wow. Okay. Well, and- I just feel, I just feel that, that that there's one particular team that are not looking that strong, mm-hmm. which which I'm I'm disappointed for. But I feel like they're going to be they're battling for the lower points if they're going to be battling for points at all. Hmm. It's a it's quite quite a shame actually, isn't it? Because uh, Renault had some good momentum. Uh, particularly at the French Grand Prix a couple of seasons ago Ricardo picking up a good result um, and obviously you know going into this new Alpine era really looking to sort of turn the page as it were and put a new stamp on it but okay so if we're thinking 8th that what, is what, what about you? Um, it's a tough one because I don't think we've possibly seen what Aston Martin can do yet and possibly Williams in there and Alfa Romeo looking really good in in the in the practice sessions um 8th and 9th so it's really difficult I think at this stage but I'm going to say uh, um, it's tough isn't it I think Alpine is the hardest one to call if I'm honest because there is the promise there but there is also you know these these worrying signs that they might be kind of Stalling. I mean, you know, if if you're watching the first practice session for people listening, but um, 
part of their engine cover came off just going down the straight, which is a, a bit worrying for the integrity of the, the bodywork. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you with that on eighth at the moment. It might change. You're literally copying me. No, you're literally copying no, me. I, I know I'm copying you, but uh, you, you know you you have very good reasons and reasoning for it. So um, oh, we're I was still yet to get uh, Aston Martin second place yet. Oh, there's still time. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, so that is what we're thinking about with with Alpine. Um, let's look at Alpha Tauri uh, for the, for the next couple of minutes. Pierre Gasly, Yuki Tsunoda, uh, both staying with the team, um, both stood out last year. Can they give Alpha Tauri a challenge to the top boys this year? Maybe even ruffle some feathers at their more uh, bigger sister team, Red Bull. Uh, Pierre Gasly, as we know, is is really kind of showing this great form over the last couple of seasons. Yuki Tsunoda in his rookie year last season kind of lost his cool a little bit coming to the first race, all a bit over the place. It seemed to wanting to come into this season with a new approach and try and hit the ground running in his second season. Where can you see Alpha Tauri uh, doing well this season, Chris? Um, well, they've got they've got the Red Bull uh, drivetrain. Um, mm. That looks very strong. Um, so and they've not really had many reliability issues. Um I'll say this, but Yuki, Yuki Sonoda didn't get any running in um, no in third practice due to, due to some <laughs> hydraulic issues. Um, but yeah, they, they look quick. Pierre Gasly, we, we he was probably one of the standout drivers, you know, mm. c- consistently there or thereabouts. Um, and Yuki Sonoda, we saw in Bahrain last year, was fighting with his 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 icon, you know, Fernando Alonso that yeah. he, he looked up to. <laughs> finished seventh on his debut in Bahrain so I think both of them you know they, they can get some solid points for Alpha Tauri mm. whether they'll challenge you know Ferrari Mercedes and Red Bull we'll have to wait and see but I, I genuinely think they'll be up there this year mm, very much so and I and I think that Pierre Gassi would like this season more than any other before to really prove himself and make you know a massive statement and claim that he does deserve to be in a bigger seat and get that or possibly get that second chance in in the in the Red Bull team we don't know what's going to happen with Perez's future and he's been in the sport for a while so be interesting to see what happens there where are we thinking Chris for Alpha Tauri to finish oh. I am I'm kind of thinking along the lines of fifth or sixth yeah I'm thinking they're going to be battling with McLaren so I'm, mm. I'm thinking fourth and fifth between that Mm, okay, interesting. Okay, well, you can see how that that pans out, uh, and hopefully, yeah, those hydraulic issues won't continue to plague them throughout the throughout the season. Um, nice looking car though, as well. I, I love I like the livery on that this mm. season particularly as well. Aston Martin then maintaining their two drivers. A lot of internal changes, looking to bring some new personnel. Um, CEO um, Lawrence Stroll bringing in a, a lot of new. Uh, new staff and and personnel to try and make things better behind the scenes and invest in the team. They've got this new factory coming along along the way, which is going to be not built this in time for this year, but next season where they might gain some more ground. Um, for this first race, Vettel isn't there because of uh, testing positive for COVID, sadly. So Nico Hulkenberg, the super sub, comes in. And so we can't really count the first race. But if we think about the long-term future of Aston Martin this season with Lance Stroll and Vettel, what can we see happening with, with Aston Martin? Because they certainly didn't live up to my second place prediction last season. No, it, it lost you out on some good tasting chicken. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's going to be probably, look at, looking at it at the minute, much of the same as last season. I think the people that they've brought in, it's going to be more beneficial for next year's car. Um, just for the fact you've got so many weeks and months that you can't go one to the other because you might be saying something. Um, but yeah, pace-wise at the minute, they're, they're not looking overly threatening. Um, so I feel like it's going to be much of the same uh, as what we saw last year. So I'm um, looking-wise, as constructors, uh, I'm probably going to, I'm probably going to say something like. Seventh. Mm. I was, I was, I was actually going to say the same thing. Be a bit more realistic this year. Let's be honest. So, so um, a bit a big downtrend from second to seventh. Four. Yeah, ter- terrible five. for us to yeah, know. Sliding down five places on the Jake Peach constructor scale. It's not not a good accolade to have. I'm sure. But, but more, but more t- uh, time in the uh, air tunnel and 
And yeah, exactly. Hopefully, more time in the air tunnel for next season. Uh, we'll see. Maybe they won't like that cost cap too much to come in, though, because they're throwing lots of money at it at the moment. And uh, it's proof that sometimes maybe uh, money and investment doesn't always work. But again, it's an early stage in a very long term project, I think, for Aston Martin, bringing that prestige name back onto the grid in Form 1. And hopefully, great to see Vettel back in the second race. Hopefully, we'll see him in Jeddah. Uh, let's round up the last few teams then, Chris. Uh, Williams had a change of lineup, keeping Nicholas Satifi for a third season. Uh, really sort of stabilised himself in the team, I think, uh, last season, although he was involved in a very controversial incident that really affected uh, how the last race panned out in Abu Dhabi. Uh, looking to get more ground on points scoring last year and a real transitional phase for Williams at the moment that I think is really positive to see. Of course, they've lost a big name in George Russell and, and a great talent in him, uh, but that was kind of always on the cards. But we've got Alex Albon back on the grid. Uh, a year out from F1 after losing his seat to Perez in 2021. Can Alex get back on track to race with the big teams with a good season when he's in a Williams? It's, it's going to be difficult. I think, sadly, looking at testing, uh, I think testing Williams looked stronger. Um, but then now we're at the track, I feel like the rest of the teams are out of sandbagging mode I feel Williams at the minute look like they're, they're the ones that are struggling and they're back at the back of the grid um, which is quite sad to see so I don't feel like they're going to be fighting mm, too much mm. they, they might get the occasional point like we, we saw for the past couple of seasons they might might nick a point or two um, but it's going to be a difficult season for Latifi and Albon I don't think Albon's going to shine as much as he did when he was in the Alpha Tauri um, but you know I think this is just a solid seat for him just so he can get back mm. into racing and then hopefully build on from that yeah get, get back on people's radars and hopefully not be to be taken out by Hamilton uh, for a for another time when he's I, I doubt this time will be for a race win <laughs> no exactly okay so where are we thinking for Williams then are we thinking 8th ninth, uh, even 10th place or are we thinking uh, yeah, higher I'm, I'm, I'm going that they're going to be at the bottom of the field I'm afraid 8th okay not too bad 8th 8th I said 10th bottom of the field tenth. you think oh good you think they're going to be right at the bottom that's yes that's a shame real shame I already said uh, Alpine 8th yeah, that's true. So I can't keep up with all of these, all of these predictions. We'll see them after the at the end of the episode. We'll round them all up. Um, let's move on to Alfa Romeo then quickly. A new lineup this season: Kimi Raikkonen retiring after an, an extraordinary career in the sport, and um, something I think he has been looking forward to and, and going to enjoy a lot after after his retirement. Um, and Antonio Giovinazzi not given a contract either. So two new drivers coming into the team, a new clean slate for Alfa Romeo, the expertise of Valtteri Bottas to help develop the car on a multi-year deal with Alfa Romeo. Alongside F2 third place driver last season and a proven race winner in that series, uh, Zhou Guanyu as well. Zhou is the first Chinese F1 driver as well, a really landmark moment for the sport, given a full seat and looks Really good to, to settle in and, and have a good start right out of the blocks. And having been backed by Renault throughout his career in the Alpine Driver Academy last year, he's kind of broken away from the academy and now stepped into this new team altogether and Alfa Romeo with the, obviously, relationship with Ferrari. How can you see Joe and Bautri... Uh, Bautri, I've done it, haven't I? <laughs> Bautri Bottas. I've gone for the meme, haven't I? Um, how can you see Valtteri Bottas and Guan Yu Zhou getting on together in that dynamic and that uh, relationship as teammates? I think for Bottas, this is probably as nice of an environment as he's been in for a long time. He's got no pressures. He's got a multi-year deal. He, he's the number one driver. He, he's going to be giving Zhou valuable experience, going to be teaching him many things. Um, and Joe, uh, you know, he's going to be teaching Bottas about these 18-inch tyres, having had them in last year's F2. Mm. So they're, they're going to, you know, be pinning off each other and learning lots. And I think at the minute that they're looking like a very solid mm. midfield team. Um, both, say, up there in practice. Eighth and ninth. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting for them. And yeah, I, I hope um, Bottas continues to do well. Um, you know, he wasn't as quick as Lewis Hamilton in, in the car. And Which he's I, accepted. I, it was, yeah, and it's very difficult to beat Lewis Hamilton. I mean, only a couple of people mm. have actually beaten mm. him. 
Um, Fernando Alonso, not one of them. They, they drew. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it was it was always a tough task for Valtteri. Um, but yeah, I feel like this is going to be a fresh start. And we're going to see a much better Valtteri. Uh, you know, and we saw after once he signed the deal, he was a lot more confident. He was doing well in races. He was doing a lot. Mm. Um, so yeah, this this could be just what he needs. Um, almost to potentially revive his career if he wants to get back to a top team. Yeah, and it, and it um, looks like the Ferrari power unit, which a lot of people have been raving about, and it's going to be a lot more equal, of course, in the back of the Alfa Romeo, is going to play a big part, I think, in the success of the team and their performance. Um, but where can we see them get ending up this season? I think you can certainly see them ending up in points positions, can't we, fighting for, yeah, for points consistently? Yeah, battling for, for the lower-end points consistently. Um, yeah, I think I think just for the fact that they've got they've got a very solid package. Mm. Um, I, I think I'm gonna think eight. Something like no, I've already said eight. For me, anyway. Well, you've already said eight. Okay, what have we, what have we got yeah. left? <laughs> Ninth and seventh. Okay, seventh it is then. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go seventh. As well. Yeah. <laughs> have we got literally the same predictions each this this mm. this time round? Well, you, I, I think McLaren are going to potentially be fourth and fifth and you said they're going to be fifth and sixth. Okay, fair enough. All right. Um, final team then, Haas. Uh, the team have been through the, let's say, a very turbulent winter period with, of course, the ongoing geopolitical matters going on and, and all of that around that with uh, Nikita Mazepin being the team and, and the sponsor being heavily linked to Mazepin and his dad who owns the company of course with what's going on with Russia we know all the story behind that but they're keeping Mick Schumacher for 2022 uh, the team have brought in a fellow driver whose dad also raced in the era of of Mike, Mick's dad Michael uh, a former driver of the team who with one season away I bet he never kind of expected this phone call to come from Gunter Steiner but Kevin Magnussen returned and uh, seems to be very well received around the paddock too in, in sort of a small number of days that he's been there do you think Gundersteiner's door will remain on its hinges this season? Will there be um, no smash door uh, at the end of 2022 pass? Will it be a better year for them, Chris? Oh, I mean, that is still, to this day, my favourite episode <laughs> on Drive to Survive. Um, I mean, any episode where Gunter's in it is, is a good episode. Yeah, um, all the banter. But I, I think Haas have probably been, from what I've seen so far, the team that have improved. Absolutely. Well, they've had the most wind the tunnel most. time with the new rules. They they look solid. They look back in the midfield, whereas mm. for the last three seasons, they have not been anywhere near that. No. Um, yeah, they, they look like they could challenge points and they could potentially do it quite consistently. They're going to be challenging the likes of Alpine for, you know, eighth place potentially. Mm. So mm. whether they get there, I don't know. Um, Kevin definitely seems on top of Mick at the minute, which... Even though he's had a season away, I think we probably expect. could have expected mm. it, just for the fact Mick didn't have the greatest of seasons last year. Obviously, Kevin, you know, he's been in the team where he's been on the podium back in 2014 mm. With, mm. with McLaren. So, yeah, I think Haas, I think it's, it's also going to be great for Mick's development. They're going to have a driver that can teach him mm. who's been mm. in Formula One before. Obviously, last year, two rookies, it, I, I think it panned out just as we anticipated it to. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I think Haas will definitely be a bit more revived um, than what it has been. And yeah, it's, it's good to see them back, uh, potentially challenging for points, being up there. You know, I think, you know, we might even see them get out of Q2 quite a few times, potentially even Q3 once or twice. Yeah. Um, which we definitely wouldn't have said last year. And if anyone um, can do that, Kevin Magnussen can with with, yeah. with, with, with his pedigree. Um, of course, for me, there's only ninths left and I think that's a fair reflection, but it, I think it all depends on the development race. It's going to be very much around that this, this yeah, year, I think. For sure. I think it's going to be close between the, uh, Haas and Alpine for eighth and ninth mm. in, the, in the championship. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, we think ninth for... For, for Haas, for me anyway. And um, maybe, yeah, Kevin's going to pick up some some solid point finishes because see fifth, sixth, seventh places. That would be good for Haas after a dismal year last year, it's fair to say. So, Chris, just remind us of our predictions for the teams uh, of where we think the constructors are going to end up at the end of 2022. Well, it's, it's very, very easy for me because we've both basically gone for the same. <laughs> so we, we both agree... We think Red Bull are gonna are gonna rub away with it. Uh, we think Ferrari are gonna be the ones that are gonna be 
second. Mercedes third. We think McLaren are looking to be fourth. Mm-hmm. And then Alpha Tauri we're looking into fifth. I think I think we might have said multiple for seventh, you know. <laughs> I think we did. I think we, we I think we said Aston Martin seventh. Yes. So yeah, right, so we'll, we'll put we'll put Alfa Romeo. I think Alfa Romeo are going to beat them. So yeah, Alfa Romeo sixth for me anyway. Um, and then I put Aston Martin seventh. Uh, and then eighth, I'd gone for Alpine, mm-hmm. as did you. Yeah. Haas we've put for ninth, and Williams tenth. Williams tenth. So, yeah, it's. I think I think. Anywhere between seventh and ninth, maybe Williams, depending on yeah. what what happens. But that's yeah, more fluid. Seventh, I think I think that's going to be very very close battle. Yeah, as uh, the midfield battle was was really fierce uh, last season, uh, even more so possibly uh, in twenty twenty two. All right, that's our predictions for 2022 after well I guess sort of cheating a little bit because we've had a couple of uh, sessions to see um, <laughs> what, what what's happened in Bahrain but you know many races to go that we're really looking forward to do you agree with our predictions what are yours let us know on social media with, uh, with the post we've put for this episode you can find us on Facebook uh, at the Round the Outside Podcast or on Instagram at ATO Podcast underscore let's hope you agree or disagree with our predictions and uh, don't beat us too much on that there you go then that is how we think the 2022 season is going to pan out for the teams and drivers on the Formula 1 grid for 2022 um, really excited for all the races that are going to come our way this season as we say on Around the Outside the way it's going to work for us here uh, on the podcast this season is we're going to look at the races in every, in every sort of few races every three or four races and review the episodes together bring you a special guest here on the podcast and uh, take them all in kind of chunks at a time so hopefully you're going to enjoy it in that way of how we're looking at things at the moment Uh, please do get involved on our social media follow us on there and uh, get involved and support the podcast we appreciate you all listening and uh, very much hope you've enjoyed our episodes last season at the beginning of this season and we'll enjoy the episodes coming later on in this season Uh, Chris what can we expect for this first race and the ones beyond? What are you thinking? Um, what kind of action are we going to see? Are we going to see closer racing like we, what we've dreamed of? I, I hope we get the kind of racing we had last year. Close, feisty, controversial, something <laughs> to talk about. Mm. You know, last year for us, it was a great year to choose to start the podcast. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I think say that the idea is to try and get closer racing. So if we can get close racing, then yeah, I think, I think it'll be a great season. All right, we cannot wait for the lights to go out at the Bahrain Grand Prix. We'll be back after the first few races of the season to break it all down and possibly catch our breath. I say possibly. We probably will have to do that on multiple occasions throughout the next few races. It's been me, Jake Peach. And me, Chris Moss. Here on Around the Outside Podcast. We'll catch you next time. See you very soon. Mm-hmm.